Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 23rd. Make communication with others an exchange of vibrations, not only of ideas. You know, a comment like that can seem quite obscure unless you've spent some time really trying to sense and feel and experience realities beyond the obvious. Um, I... I I've had a very, very dramatic experience of communication being about vibrations because of many of the times that I've listened to Swami. And Swamiji talked about when he was a young monk living in the ashram with Paramhansa Yogananda, and he was just in awe of the reality of being with his guru in such close association with such a uh, with the God-realized Master, such an extraordinary experience. And Swamiji said, actually, he remarked to some of us once, because Yogananda was born in 1893 and he died in 1952. Swami was born in 1926. <coughs> so he was 22 when he met Master in 1948. And Master died when Swami was not yet 26. So it was a he, Swami was very youthful during his years with Master. And then in, the, in 1969 and 1970, when I got to know Swamiji and began to live in close association with him, Master was already gone not quite 20 years. And in the whole course of my 50 years with, with Ananda, with Swamiji, um, from time to time we met other direct disciples of Master who would come infrequently to visit. But the, but the community of Ananda, with one or two very small exceptions, none of us had ever met Yogananda personally. Our, enti- <coughs> our entire understanding of Yogananda was through autobiography of a yogi, through his recordings, through his writings, and tremendously through Swami Kriyananda's personal experience and how he would convey that experience to us. My understanding of who Master was came from my understanding of who Swamiji was. Because I saw the disciple being in tune with his guru becomes the, the channel for his guru, and in a very real sense becomes his guru. Um, so Swamiji would talk about when he was living with Master, that Master's consciousness was so powerful. Now there's another piece of not meeting him that I wanted to speak about. Um, let, me, let me finish that thought. Swamiji, so it would be it was natural for many of us to think, oh, if only I had had the karma to meet Master in person. If I had been born 20 years earlier, I could have had that experience that I didn't have. Um, and Swamiji, uh, on, on more than one occasion, made an interesting comment. He said, in many wa- ways, he says, it's easier for you to have come to Master after he was out of his body. He said, for me, Swami, speaking of himself, He said, when I was a young monk there, he said, I knew that Master was God himself, that the full full 
Christ consciousness was present in my guru, except he would also be, you know, down the hall having dinner, you know, and chatting with friends and answering letters. He said the, the, the contradiction between his complete natural humanity and the magnitude of his consciousness, Swamiji said it was just, it was, it was sometimes mind-bending mind, mind to try to put those realities together. I easily understand it because I lived with Swamiji. And I, Swamiji was not an avatar, but the, the difference between his conscious and, consciousness and mind was you know, so um, inconceivably uh, different. It, it just one had, one had to work with it. I had many, many, many more years, and I became, I had the time to mature on the path, which Swamiji didn't have. Swamiji himself said, ten years later, uh, in, in 1958, when he went to India, ten years after meeting Master, he was a much deeper disciple. And when he met Anandamoy Ma, who is an extraordinarily elevated um, divine soul, he was able to have a more mature relationship with her. He said he was able to have with her the relationship he'd wished he'd been able to have with Master, but he was too much, as he put it, too much in awe of Master. But by the time he met Ma, he was more, had much more understanding. But the end point of that now with Swamiji was he said the vibration of divine consciousness that emanated from Master was constant. And so no matter what they were actually doing outwardly, there was, there was always this vibration of consciousness. And he's, he speaks particularly of one extraordinarily inspired uh, time he had with Master. When Master was talking about um, p- paving the driveway and other sort of things that just mundane matters that had to be decided about the upkeep of the building at Mount Washington. He said the subject could not have been less elevated inherently. He said, but the more Master just talked about these mundane realities, Swamiji said the more he felt his consciousness just literally expanding out to infinity. So coming back to the simple thing that Swami said was saying here, Master was verbally communicating about a subject that had no particular import. Swami also said on that occasion, most of the time when he was with Master, when, when they were having interactions, not when Master was speaking to a crowd, but when it was a small group, as Swami put it, Master often directed much of his conversation right at Swamiji, partly because he was trying to communicate the teachings. He wanted Swami to, to remember and write down what he said, so Swamiji said he, he rarely had the luxury when he was in Master's company informally of just closing his eyes and meditating. Even though he often longed to, he had to re- Master didn't allow him to do that. One of the things that happened when they were talking about the concrete driveway is that Swami had no direct responsibility and so he was able to close his eyes. But the communication that happened from Master was entirely a transfer of vibrations. And words were being spoken, but the words were not the communication that was happening. It was consciousness to consciousness. And Swami commented about the, the, the conflict that he sometimes felt, that it was, it, in many ways it was easier for us to really just receive Master's consciousness because we weren't confused by the mundane realities of life. And I understand that, and I gradually... Uh, uh, I would say ever-deepening over the course of the years that I knew Swamiji, 
I, I always, I began to understand how to receive the vibration behind whatever he was saying. And interestingly, the more I could be in tune with the vibration of what he was saying, the more I could, I could truly understand the meaning of what he was saying. Because words, I can hear words really easy. I can remember them sometimes. I can repeat them back. I know what they mean. But the meaning behind what somebody says is quite different than, is is often quite, quite expanded from the words that they use. Now, Swami was a clear communicator. It wasn't that sometimes there are people I know, I have some friends who really, if I didn't understand them intuitively, you wouldn't be able to understand them at all because they're just, you know, verbal expression is not necessarily their strong suit. Clarity of thought, clarity of thought is not always the same as clear verbal expression. They're two different abilities. And I have friends who, uh, one, one woman friend in particular, just doesn't like words. <laughs> and so I, I learned to just understand what she meant no matter what word she used. And with Swamiji, tremendous amount of conversation was intuitive. And when you would sort of be in one of those intuitive flows, other people would watch. I mean, I remember watching it in others that just the communication would happen with so few words attached to it. The vibrations would just be passed and, and much would be understood. And Swami was always, uh, as Master did with him, uh, trying to teach us to communicate on a much deeper level. Swamiji said, among other things about Master, he said, this is again, Swami said this to us, a group of us one day. He said, you, you're, you have it so much easier. I make it so much easier for you than, he said, I bend over backwards trying to explain things to you. He said, Master never bothered. Master would give you a sentence or a phrase or sometimes even a look. And then you would have to intuitively understand what he had communicated to you. Swami says, I work so hard to communicate also in words, but understanding words is not communication if, there, if the vibration isn't also there, because the vibration is the transfer of, of love, of unity, of commitment to each other, and vibration is a clearer expression of, of a person's intention than the words they may put on it. So I was, I was starting to say that I, I gradually learned over many years of being with Swamiji to listen and feel his vibration and not only listen to his words. And, and how that translated is, see, sometimes Swamiji would make suggestions and because he had great respect for our free will and also because he knew that our decisions would be more effective and it was better for us if the decisions and the directions in our life came from an inner understanding rather than an outward obedience. Because for many of us, we were not ever under a vow of obedience to Swamiji. In fact, he was very specific. He asked for our cooperation. And then when you became more deeply committed, we had something we called cooperative obedience, which is that we would endeavor you know, to, to listen and, and embrace what was asked of us, but it was cooperative, which meant that we all, our will had to always be fully engaged. So sometimes, often, Swamiji would not, he, he was not like a, a debater. He would not lay out all his arguments about why he was doing something. He would merely present the beginning of the idea 
because then if it resonated with the person to whom he was speaking, they would attach themselves to it and then they would begin to add their own creative energy. Once that process began, it wasn't that Swami would withhold his thoughts, but he always wanted to make sure that there was a an attunement with what he was suggesting rather than an imposition of his will on us. I mean, his style of leadership was so subtle that um, and it was it's a lifetime study to really understand it. That's how a true spiritual teacher operates. They awaken the innate wisdom in those that they are guiding. And so I I began to listen carefully, not and sometimes Swamiji would just have sort of like a creative idea, but it would be directional rather than necessarily the final thing that we should do. It would just be, let's consider possibilities, here's one rather than I've decided and this is what we should do. And in fact, he would say it would annoy him sometimes when people would obediently follow his suggestions when in fact they had a better idea of their own if they would just stand up and present it and it it could be considered. So I began to try to understand not just what Swami said, but what was Swamiji trying to accomplish? Because that would be sort of, that would be in the vibration. Like what is the energy flow he's trying to create with whatever he's saying? Whatever the details were, it's the, ener- the, the quality of energy. In other words, his vibration, the vibration he's trying to create through this project or this conversation or this counseling session or, or, or this administrative problem. What, what energy, what energy flow is he trying to activate? What consciousness is he trying to awaken? And then the words that he would use would make more sense, and often they would then lead to another creative possibility instead of the energy stopping. And I remember specifically listening to Swamiji lecture on uh, many occasions, but when one, one time in particular when this was very deep for me, I realized that when he was, he was speaking, and as it happened in our temple here in Palo Alto, and when Swami would come, we, the room would, we, we would only, only when we had a bigger venue would we actually advertise his co- coming. Otherwise, it would just be word of mouth to our own Sangha because our church held about 300, and that was who would come if we invited our Sangha. So it was one of those full-to-the-wall temple talks. And I was listening to Swami, and I was very conscious of the fact that the first impulse coming out of him was a vibration of consciousness. And once that vibration of consciousness was flowing, he would put words on it. So there was a continuous flow of thought, but the thought came after the vibration of consciousness. And I uh, did my best to receive the vibration of consciousness. And whenever Swamiji would instruct us in how to lecture and how to talk to groups of people, he would always say, give people your vibrations, fill the room with your magnetism. I, I rarely heard him, and I, I dare say for myself, well, he corrected me once or twice on small points, but it was almost never about the words. I heard him give very little instruction about the words. It was fill the room with your magnetism, give people your joy, share with people your vibrations. Because that's where, that's where both communication and, and love, that's where love really happens. That's, that's who we are. And when we give to others in that open-hearted way, that's when a unity of spirit really results. 
So Swamiji says to us, make communication with others an exchange of vibrations, not only of ideas. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.